Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Good evening. Good to see you guys, man. There we go. I like that energy. Okay. Yeah, okay, I do know the vibes. I like it. Okay. Hey, man, I, I appreciate you all greeting me with that, with that energy. It's, it, was, it was a little different this week than it's been like the past few weeks. I feel like there's been like a little funk, man. I don't know, have y'all felt that? Okay, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Anybody doing a little bit better since we've been in this series? I pray that as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, that we've been seeing some change in our lives. Because that's the key, that's that's the point of all this. There's no point of doing this, there's no point of talking about all this, Uh, there's no point of following Jesus if there's no change in our lives. I wanna follow a God who honors his word, who responds, who will speak back, who will follow through on what he says that he can do and will do. Is that how you guys feel? Okay, watching online, I hope that's how you feel as well. We welcome you. We're glad you're joining us. Man, I'm excited about this series as we're talking about the Holy Spirit. I've, I've said this is, I feel like, one of the most important things that we could be talking about uh, because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God himself, third person of the Trinity, just as much God as God the Father, just as much God as Jesus Christ himself. The Holy Spirit is God himself, and the Holy Spirit is here with us, will dwell inside of us, will empower us and equip us. And we've been talking about some really important things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. We've been talking about him being the key to life in Christ. You can't follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to live the way that he lived. And so you cannot live the way Jesus lived without the Holy Spirit. It's a a pointless effort. We also talked about how the Holy Spirit is the key to all truth and how there's a lot of information out here and you can have access to all types of information, but you need the Holy Spirit to lead you into the truth because the truth is exclusive. And it's inherent in the definition of truth that there's only one truth. And it's not something that we find in our flesh and just with the reasoning of our mind. Even as Jesus was talking to the disciple Peter, when he was asking his disciples, who are people saying that I am? And they're like, man, some people are saying, you know, you're Elijah. Some people are saying you're this, you're that. And then he's like, okay, well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter's the only one who said, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ, the one who's been prophesied about for all these years, the one that we've been waiting on. I believe that you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't come to this conclusion just by like putting some things together in your own mind. You didn't reason your way to this conclusion, but my father, God himself has revealed this to you by his spirit. And so it is with all of us. 
to come to a, a, a saving faith in Jesus Christ, we don't get there just by reasoning our way to it. Though reason is involved because God doesn't have a, a plan that makes no sense. God is actually very thorough, very calculated in the way that he presents himself and reveals himself to us. But in order for us to really accept it and everything that comes along with who he is and submit ourselves to a God and make him Lord, that happens by means of his spirit because nothing in our natural selves wants to do that. We want to be our own God. We want to follow our own plan. We want to be able to do what we want. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But most of us, we naturally want to do our own will. And it's only by the spirit of God that we would forsake our own desires, forsake our own will and say, you know what? I'm going to commit myself to a cause that's going to cost me a lot. Benefit me much more than it costs me, but I'm going to have to wait on that. And I'm going to lay my life down for the cause of my God. That, that sounds noble, but the reality is it's the spirit of God that leads us to making that decision. And uh, last week we were talking about how he prophesied all the way back in the book of Ezekiel, which was written a long time ago in the 500s BC. He said that he, he said, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will put my spirit within you to enable you to walk in my statutes and obey my commands. And we talked about last week how the heart talks about the, is the inner man. It's our mind. It's how we think. It's who we are on the inside. And that's the primary function of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to change who you are for the better to make you like Jesus. Does anybody wanna be like Jesus? Do you? Yes. You don't have to fake it. I, I, I respect it if that is not how you feel and you didn't just say it just to say it. I don't want you to say it just to say it. I want you to think about that. Do you wanna be like Jesus? Because that's the, that's the concept of following him. That's the point of it, is to be like him. That's why you follow Jesus, is to become like him. And so in, in every area of your life, the question is always, what would Jesus do if he were me right now? And I know we had that on bracelets in the 90s. <laughs> and then it seems like the question went out of style just as fast as the bracelet did. And how much we apply it to our lives went out of style just as fast as the bracelet did. Because who's asking that question what would Jesus do? And not just what would Jesus do 2,000 years ago in Israel, but what would Jesus do if he were you in your situation? What would Jesus do if he was living in 2021? Right? What would Jesus do if he were you, if he were gifted in the ways that you're gifted? If he looked like you, came up in your environment and he was sitting in your shoes right now, able to make the choices and faced with the choices that you're faced with, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do if he were single in 2021 and wanting to be married? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do if he were married? Right? 
What would he do? Now we know that that was not the path for Jesus. That wasn't God's plan for his life. But Jesus only lived to about 33 years old. What would Jesus have done at 35? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves because we are in these situations and yet we are called to be like him in the way that we conduct ourselves. And that's a weighty responsibility. But guess what? You can do it with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that led Jesus to make the decisions that he was making, that led him to say the things that he was saying. He says, I'm only saying what I hear my father saying. And he's hearing that through the Holy Spirit. He's being led by the Spirit. And he said that the same Spirit would lead you into all truth and that it would be better for him to leave so that you could have the Holy Spirit. Imagine if it were, if it were just Jesus here today, one man, as much God as he is, imagine all of us trying to call him at the same time. Jesus, I got this going on. Jesus, this just happened. What should I do? That wouldn't be the most efficient system for the God who calls himself Wonderful Counselor, right? Man, but the Wonderful Counselor put forth a means by which we could all be counseled at the same time. Wow by sending his spirit to dwell on the inside of us and lead us into all truth. How many of us are valuing that? How many of us are living like we have access to the God of the universe, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, as he says in Isaiah 11:2, of counsel and of might and of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And those are just a few of the names. The spirit of wisdom and of revelation this is who we have access to. And I'm excited about tonight because tonight we get to talk about really one of my favorite subjects to, to dive into and to discuss um, when it comes to God, because it's what we all have to navigate. It's what we all have to go through. In short, we're talking about challenging seasons. And specifically, we're talking about the wilderness tonight. And here's why we're talking about the wilderness. Because in Luke 4, verses 1 through 2, after Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River, this phenomenal moment where Jesus Christ himself gets baptized, goes into the water, comes up. He's baptized by John the Baptist, his cousin, who's been out here preaching and is this well-renowned preacher. And John is like, you want me to baptize you? You're the son of God? And he's like, this needs to happen. Let's just do this. Don't make it a thing. Don't make it weird. Just baptize me. And so he baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up out the water and then they hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. Beautiful scene, beautiful experience. But here's what happens next. This is literally what happens immediately after. 
Luke 4, verses one through two. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, say wilderness, for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. The first place the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into and through is the wilderness. You would think that it would be something else, right? You would think it'd be like, let's go do miracles. Something else, I don't know, what would you expect immediately after the Son of God, the Father opens heaven, sends the Holy Spirit, you see the Trinity in action at the same time, the Father speaking to the Son, the Father sending the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descends upon the Son and then they go to the wilderness? Why? Well, I wanna answer that question tonight. And I wanna start with answering the question, what is the wilderness? Because we can have a lot of different ideas in our mind. I think for a while, I pictured more of like a jungle. You know, like he's walking around like a jungle. I don't know why I thought that, but <laughs> you know, these are the things that we think sometimes. Maybe some of you guys are a little bit more geographically accurate in your thinking, and you're like, no, I know exactly what the wilderness is like. Cool. A wilderness is an uninhabited region or locality, a desert, a grassland or wilderness, in contrast to cultivated and inhabited country. So it's the opposite of somewhere that is cultivated and inhabited. And I actually have a picture of the Judean wilderness where it's likely that Jesus was led into by the Holy Spirit. We should have that picture up in just a moment, the Judean wilderness. So this, this is probably not what you were picturing. This is not what I was picturing. Look at this. There's nothing there. It's nice from a picture standpoint, but imagine standing out there and walking through there for 40 days. What do you do there? What's there? There's nothing there. The wilderness is just a dry, empty, abandoned place of nothingness. There's nothing there. It's pretty much just blah. Has anybody ever felt blah? Have you ever felt that way? Just like, eh, dry. Like nothing's going on. Like you, you don't feel like you're flourishing. Just feels like a dry season. Has anybody ever felt that? Well, I'll tell you, if you are following Jesus, it's very likely that you will experience that. If Jesus experienced that, it's very likely that you will experience that. And there's a good reason why. Uh, and I wanna talk about that tonight. First, I wanna pray. There we go, somebody's excited to pray. I wanna pray. And as you guys know, I always encourage that you guys would pray for yourselves as I'm praying and that you would pray for the people around you because we want this to be an impactful experience. We didn't come here just to hear something and then leave, but we know that the word of God is alive and active. He discerns the intentions of our heart. 
And he does some surgery on us in these times in a great, beautiful way because the goal is for him to make us more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is here and he will respond as we are talking about the word and the Holy Spirit will persuade us and point us to Jesus and point us toward the will of God and convince us and and persuade us of the goodness of his will and where he wants us to go. And I believe that he wants to do that for you tonight. I also believe that there will be some other voices in your head your own, potentially the voice of the enemy, trying to distract you, trying to convince you that maybe your way is better. You know, maybe uh, make accusations against God, make accusations against you, try to condemn you. But we just want to pray for all that to get up out the way and for us to just be able to hear the voice of God clearly and for his will to be done in our lives. Amen. So I want to pray and I encourage you to pray for yourself, pray for the people around you. Agree with me, do as you wish. Lord, we thank you for this time, for this opportunity ah, to just be here, to be in your presence, Lord. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are here with us, that you guide us into all truth, Lord, that you lead us, that you remind us of the things that Jesus has taught us, Lord, that you are our comforter, you are our guide and our aid and our helper, Lord. You are everything that we need. I pray that you will open our eyes to your truth tonight, Lord, that you will help us to see uh, how your word so beautifully applies to our life, Lord, and how you lead us into a beautiful life, Lord. I pray that you would help us to see your glory, Lord, that you would help us to see the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of who you are, Lord. Open our eyes, help us to hear you. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So as we ask the question, why did he lead Jesus through the wilderness? Why Jesus full of the Holy Spirit? Why didn't he just go doing miracles? Why didn't he go to preach a sermon? Why didn't he go to do something more fantastic? Why was he led into the wilderness? And I think it's important for us to to understand what's said here. It doesn't just say that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, but it let, he led Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. So Jesus was led in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit didn't lead him to the wilderness, drop him off and be like, I'll be back in 40 days to see how you're doing. He led him in the wilderness. And it says that he was in the wilderness for 40 days being led by the Spirit and being tempted by the devil. He returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And I think a lot of us, we just skip to the, the end part where a lot of us know that he's tempted by the devil and we, we hear the, uh, the conversation and the dialogue between him and the devil. But scripture is saying that he was led in the wilderness for 40 days by the spirit being tempted by the devil. So he's in this dry place of nothingness being led by the spirit and being tempted by the devil at the same time. Did you know that you could be in a season where you're hearing God and you're hearing the devil just as loudly? Did you know that just because you are full of the Holy Spirit and God is pleased with you, just like he had just affirmed Jesus's identity. I, this is my son who I love. With him, I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit has descended on him. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Then he's in a wilderness 
in a dry season, being led by the Spirit and being tempted at the same time. Did you know that that can be you? That just because you get saved, the enemy doesn't just go to bother somebody else? That he actually comes straight after you? That he actually wants to snatch away what God is doing in your life and convince you to walk away? We see he's been doing this since the beginning of humanity. This is what happened with Eve and with Adam. They are in the garden of God, in the perfect will of God. They've done nothing wrong, but guess who's there? The devil. Guess who's trying to convince them to turn their backs on God? The devil. Lying, challenging the scriptures, challenging what God said. Lying about the reality of how life really operates. He started that with Eve, and Jesus was no exception. Even the Son of God, he would try him. So I guarantee he's going to try you. If he would try the Son of God, he would try to get Jesus Christ to sin. Think about this. This is the devil who lives in the spiritual realm, who's fully familiar with who God is, fully familiar with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know who he is, and you're still going to try to get him to sin. It's not going to happen, but he's still just going to try because that's just what he does. And so it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing or who you are. The enemy is going to try to tempt you. The enemy is going to try to get you to sin. The unfortunate reality is he's succeeding way more than he should be with many of us, but he doesn't have to be. The Holy Spirit will lead us in the wilderness, lead us through temptation, lead us through our greatest challenges. He will lead us and we need him to do that. And so tonight I want to talk about why he led Jesus in the wilderness and why he will lead you in the wilderness. And as we're, as we're looking at Jesus in the wilderness, we need to understand a very important passage of scripture that explains why this is happening in the first place. If we look at Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, the Lord says to the Israelites, the Israelites who he brought out of slavery in Egypt and he promised to take them to a, a particular promised land, the way there was through a wilderness. And this is what the, uh, what the Lord said to them about why he took them there. He says, you shall remember the whole way, and he's talking about as you're on your way to the promised land, you will remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the, say wilderness, wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. You mean we didn't just take a detour? You mean we didn't just get lost and end up here? You mean that this dry season that I've found myself in didn't happen by accident or because I've done everything wrong or because I'm a bad person or because I got handed a bad deal? You mean that in this dry season where I'm constantly being taunted and tempted by the enemy, where I'm constantly finding myself in a low and dry place, you mean even here, 
God is with me and has led me to here and wants to lead me through here because he has a purpose? Yes. God said that he, and this is a long time before Jesus shows up, right? He was leading the Israelites through the wilderness. Why? Because that is his process. God, who has the perfect will, the perfect plan, also has the perfect process. That is difficult for us to understand because he does things differently than we would do them. You would do things in a way that were completely comfortable. You would take yourself the route that involves zero pain, zero challenge, zero stress, zero suffering, and there would be zero to gain from it. Because nothing's grown, nothing's changed, because change takes place under pressure, under stress, under tension, when we're forced to change, because by nature, we don't wanna change. Most of the time, the way that we get out of stressful situations is something changes. And we're different on the way out of it than we were when we entered into it. But for us, naturally, we wanna skip that process. We don't want anything difficult. This is why uh, one, of the most, <laughs> one of the most profitable business schemes of I don't even know how long has been, well, there have been a few. The get rich quick, oh man, people love that. Get rich quick. And it just comes in different forms for every generation. Get rich quick. That's not what happens. You don't get rich quick. And if, <laughs> and if you get rich quick, you will probably go back poor quick. If you get rich quick, you will get poor quickly because you have not developed anything that will sustain wealth. You haven't developed the discipline the knowledge, the experience, the wisdom to sustain what has just fallen upon you. And so it's irresponsible for you to get rich quick. That's why God doesn't just like, as you pray, God, send a million dollars to my bank account. That's why he doesn't do it. Because the hundred dollars in your bank account is gone just on your way home. You can't even get home without spending it. You get paid and it's like you're rich for that day. We lit. And then like four days later is, whoo, when is payday? That's the reality for many of us as young adults. And it's because we haven't developed the muscle, the wisdom to really, uh, to, to, to be able to manage a lot of things at one time. There's a process to get there. Amen? The get in shape quickly advertisements. Oh man, how many videos, DVDs, juices, tummy teas, how many programs, 15 minutes a day. Somebody said what? <laughs> Y'all yelling everything out. 
waist trainer. Oh, man. Oh, man. How many, how many, how many people still are so attracted to the idea of getting something that they want at very little cost? It's, you mean I can get what I want without having to do anything? What? Five minutes a day and I'm good? Sounds like it and we'll buy it and then we'll be like, oh man, this stuff doesn't work. <laughs> but we love this idea of having challenge-free success. But God, in his infinite wisdom, knows that Everything here in this life, he's designed to progress by a process. You see it, no human gets to start as an adult. Nobody, even Jesus didn't start as an adult. He could have, he could have just been like, all right, all right, I'm about to go to earth. Let me step out of heaven, show up, start walking around, but he didn't. Even Jesus had to be born as a baby, had to go through the entire development process in the womb, be born. He's born in a barn. And then he's, his parents are on the run for their lives. It's all this stuff. Why? Just to save our souls, right? And he grows up and it's not until 30 years old that we see any of this taking place. Even the Son of God came to earth and submitted to the process. And that process included a wilderness, and he willingly stepped into the wilderness. Uh, why? Because he knew the Word of God, and he knew the process of God. And God said all the way back in Deuteronomy 8 uh, that he led the Israelites through the wilderness, that he would humble them, testing them to know what was in their heart. And so... Uh, the beautiful thing is Jesus, Jesus accomplished in 40 days what the Israelites couldn't really accomplish in 40 years. They wandered out there for 40 years. And eventually, you know, after the old generation had died off, that was unfaithful. God leads them into the promised land. But they were out in the wilderness for 40 years. Getting somewhere that could have taken 11 days to get to. That's a whole other message. And Jesus is doing this to perfect the process, right? And show us the right way to do it. And so we want to talk about the purpose of the wilderness tonight. First, I wanted us to understand that it's, it's so important for us to go through it and for us to understand that we need the wilderness because it's only arrogance that would make us feel like we don't need the wilderness, like we don't need God's process. Like we don't need to be challenged and stretched and exposed so that he can transform us. So God, the Holy Spirit, leads us in the wilderness for three reasons. And these are gonna be the three points tonight, to humble us, to test us, and to teach us. The first point is the purpose of the wilderness. It's to humble you. It says in Deuteronomy 8.3, uh, after he says, you know, that he's led them in the wilderness, that he might humble you, he says, and he humbled you and let you hunger. 
And then we see in Luke 4.2, this parallel between Jesus' experience and the Israelites' experience. In Luke 4.2, it says that Jesus, after being led into the wilderness, it says, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And God says, he humbled you and let you hunger. And then Jesus submits to this. And why? Because need humbles us. Need, lack, being without, it humbles you. So God in his infinite wisdom and love knows that to get anywhere with him, you have to start with humility. We see it all throughout scripture. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that in due time, he may exalt you. Clothe yourselves with humility. He says it all throughout scripture. He shows favor to the humble, but opposes the proud. Humility is so key in our lives and the love of God will lead him to lead you through the wilderness first to humble you. Uh, Because need develops, I wanna talk about two levels of humility tonight. And the first level, first level of humility is I cannot. Going without food, Jesus became acquainted with the fragility of his human nature. He became acquainted with his weakness and his need right, the craving of the body for food. And then he's in a wilderness, that picture that we saw, desert. There's nothing to eat. He cannot eat, even if he wanted to. There's nothing there. How this plays out in many of our lives is we will experience a need that we just can't do anything about for the moment. We are in this season and it's like we can't do anything about it. We can't get the money together as bad as we want to. We can't feel better as bad as we want to. We can't seem to get out of this place of loneliness as bad as we want to. We can't do anything about it. And no matter how badly we want to change our situation, there's actually just nothing we can do. He's walking through a wilderness and hungry there's nothing there. He's walking through the desert. How many, how many times have we seen in movies or shows this concept of somebody walking through the desert, just thirsty, seeing mirages of water and it's not really there because you're craving and you can't have it. Need exposes you to your weakness, which in the end is for your good but it forces you into a position to say, I need God because I can't do this on my own. And it's God's love that brings us there because when we can fend for ourselves, for everything, why would we ever need God? So it's God's, it's in his love that he brings you into a season where you can't seem to solve your own issues because you turn to him. But how many times have we seen that it's not until we hit rock bottom that we ever look up? Because until then, we're just looking around, enjoying ourselves, 
Need exposes our weakness and need develops the first level of humility, which is I can not. And the temptation that we face in this season is about where we go to meet that need. Because in this season, we see that the devil and the Holy Spirit are both talking to Jesus and they're both talking to you and they're both communicating the same thing. I can meet your need. They're both saying the same thing to you. Only difference is one is true and one's a lie. The devil is saying, I can meet this need that you have if you just do these things that I'm suggesting that in your, like in your gut, you know it doesn't feel right. But this need is so loud. It's screaming. Like, I know I probably shouldn't talk to this person. And it's like, when they talk, I can almost, I, it's like I can hear the devil coming through them. They sound like the devil. But this need is so loud that I'm starting to listen more. And it's like, I can't do anything to meet this need and, the only, and, I, and I have to turn to an external source and God's taking a long time. Because the devil will be like, hey, I'll just do this right now. I'll get you right right now. That's what he'll say. That's what we'll offer. We can get this taken care of right now. And God, God never does anything to taunt you. His plan is always for your good. And so if his plan is taking longer than you like, it's because you need longer than you think you need. And he sees the big picture. And the goal for our first level of humility is for us to understand that we need a provider. That's like the first step for you to even acknowledge that you need a provider. And then you get to choose who your provider is. You still have to choose. And the, the second thing that, that God says it was uh, a purpose of being in the wilderness is to test you. So the Holy Spirit will lead you through the wilderness to humble you, to test you. He says, again, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What he's saying here is the Israelites, while they were in the wilderness, he says that he let them hunger and then he fed them with manna. And what that was, was there was a particular time of day where God would literally send bread from heaven that they said was delicious. It was amazing, right? But they had to wait on it. And they couldn't eat. They're in a wilderness. They can't eat. There's no food. There's no sources around. And God 
in this training season sends them manna from heaven, this bread from heaven at a particular time each day and they couldn't store it up until the next day because it turned into worms. So even if they wanted to keep it, they couldn't. Why would he do this? It says to show them that man, you can't live on bread alone, but you need the word of God. You need God. You need God. He wanted to show them this. And the only way they would really learn this is through this process. And he, leads us, he, he led them in the wilderness to test what was in their heart. Um, and so whether, whether they would wait on him, whether they would curse him, whether they would complain, right, gripe, and be like, man, he's got us stuck in this situation. Instead of seeing the beauty in it, like, wow, God sends bread from heaven every day. It could turn to, excuse me, it could turn to, man, God only lets us eat what he sends. And that wouldn't really be cultivating a heart of obedience, but that would be cultivating a heart that doesn't have any gratitude, no understanding. It's, it's a hard-hearted heart, a rebellious heart. That's not the response God is looking for, right? So he has a tendency to keep testing us until we pass the test. Because he's not here for our failure. He leads you through the wilderness to test you, not to embarrass you or condemn you, not to be like, look, you done failed. I'm gonna bring you through this test just to watch you fail. That's not God. I'm gonna bring you through this test. Okay, you failed. All right, we're gonna do this again. All right, okay, you failed again. We're gonna do this again. The grace of God. He will continue to test you until you pass the test because that's the goal. He's not testing you for his own entertainment or enjoyment, but it's to develop something in you to develop an obedience in you. And they were tested by having to wait on God to send what they needed. We're tested in the same way. When we go without, we're tested in how we're going to respond. Are we going to respond in obedience? Or are we going to look to, to get out of this uncomfortable situation in the way that we can? And that's where the devil came to tempt Jesus. He said that in verse three of Luke four, it says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. This was like a real, this was like a real showdown, like more than I really realized. Because the, what the devil is essentially saying to him is, you know the word, you're out here in the wilderness, you're hungry. You know the word says that when the Israelites were hungry in the wilderness, God sent them bread supernaturally. Why don't you just do the same thing? If you're the son of God, just feed yourself. Make this stone bread, do a miracle. You'll be in accordance with scripture, right? And that's why it's so important that we know the Bible. That's why it's so important that we understand scripture because the devil will not just tempt you all the time with straight up sin, but he'll just go in to deceive you because he knows scripture better than a lot of us. And so he quoted the first half of the scripture and he wasn't technically wrong, but Jesus understood 
the rest of the scripture because the devil is quoting just where it says, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. It's like, this is a good thing. Like you're being humbled, you're hungry, but remember like you're God, like you can just eat bread from heaven. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Why? Because that's the second part of that scripture. He says, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. There was a reason for the hunger. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm not going to do that because I know there's a purpose behind where I am. So I'm not going to take the cheat code out of this. I'm not going to take things into my own hands because I know there's a reason I'm here. And that would go against the purpose and the reason that I'm here. Jesus knew and believed that there was purpose behind his suffering. Do you know that? Do you believe that there's purpose behind the things that you suffer when you're walking with Jesus? Have you been living like you believe that? That's one of the most challenging things to do is to live in obedience, knowing that, wow, the things that I'm suffering, there's purpose here. Like with God, he says in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are, who are called. And so even where I am right now, as low as it might seem, as challenging as it might seem, there's purpose here. And this is going to work together for my good. And so until God sends bread, I'm not eating anything. And that develops, you'll know uh, when you believe that, when you've developed the second level of humility. The second level of humility, the first one, remember, is I cannot. The second level of humility is I will not. The first level of humility is I cannot. The second level of humility is I will not. This is the level of humility that Jesus exercised the most. He was the incarnate son of God, full of the Holy Spirit, full of all potential and power in the world. He was the one who could turn a stone into bread. He was not unable to fend for himself. And so though he had a physical need, he was hungry. Spiritually, he had the power to change that reality, but it would have been an inordinate use of that power because it would not be the will of the Father. Because the will of the Father was for him to be in this wilderness and for him to not be eating at the moment. And our greatest challenge is the seemingly unlimited list of things we can do. But God wants to develop your willpower. And he will lead you through a wilderness to develop your willpower because you can do a lot of things. But the level that God wants to bring you to is for you to be full of ability while having restraint. Can you exercise restraint? This is something that our world, or the society we live in doesn't value a ton, doesn't teach enough on, doesn't really speak of. It's more about just living restraint free. But there's beauty in restraint. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have forgiveness of our sins 
if nobody ever exercised restraint. If Jesus did not exercise restraint, he would have never went to the cross. Jesus said to his disciples, I could call thousands of angels here right now to defend me. But he didn't because he was submitted to the will of the Father, exercising restraint and testing is here to develop that in you. And so what you will do and will not do has so much to do with what God can do through you, what God can give you. I can't give something precious and valuable to somebody who will do anything. If you'll go anywhere, hang with anybody and do anything, I can't put anything valuable in your hands because you'll jeopardize it. You'll put it in danger. But how many of us want to be trusted with valuable and precious things, but we don't value restraint? And we, re we see restraint as the enemy when it's really something beautiful. You don't trust anybody who will do anything. Discipline breeds trust. I remember Dr. Miles Monroe saying that. Really made me think, wow, when you are disciplined, that will actually make people trust you because you're reliable. Think about the most disciplined person you know. And there's something valuable there because you're like, okay, even if you don't like them, they're so consistent that you at least believe that they're gonna do that same thing tomorrow. So it's like, I might not like you, but I don't think you're gonna be late. Why? Because I've seen you not be late. Time and time and time again. I've seen you manage money. There is something beautiful about God developing our willpower and God wants to develop your willpower, but it doesn't happen in this happy, perfect promised land. It, it happens and is developed in the wilderness where you're being tested. This is true even of Jesus. And so the second level of humility, I will not, let's talk about this for a second. This means in, in a season of financial need, right? I will not go and pursue something that God has not called me to just because I feel a lack. Just like Jesus didn't turn stones into bread just because he was hungry. When there was purpose in his hunger. I won't go steal, I won't go scam, I won't go do anything crazy just because I feel a financial need and I won't sell my purpose. I won't forfeit time with God. I won't stop serving. I won't start gathering with the people of God. I won't say, no, I can't go to small group, can't go to church, can't do anything for the kingdom anymore because I feel this need. God wants to develop that in the wilderness. And if you're still in that place, there may be a reason why you feel like you're running into roadblocks because you're trying to claw your way to the promised land. And God has you still in the wilderness until you pass this test and until this is developed. Why? Because you need this. Because if you end up in the promised land with that mindset, you'll defile yourself there. 
That was the issue. He was taking them into the promised land and the promised land was surrounded by ungodly people. And he's like, I need you to learn to trust me. I need you to be obedient to me because you're gonna be surrounded by a ton of pressure. And if you don't learn this lesson now, when you get there, you're just gonna fall into all the sin that's there. And some of you are trying to claw your way to a place only to defile yourself there. And God doesn't want that for you. And that's why you may feel resistance and roadblocks. And it's, it's the beauty of God. It's his love that's like, <laughs> hold on. I'll keep you in this wilderness a little bit longer because you, you don't understand yet why you need to stay in these beautiful boundaries that I've placed around you because they are for your good. And so I will not go pursue ungodly things in the same way. I will not, because I'm feeling stressed or pressured, I will not just use media to numb my mind and not meditate on the word of God, not spend time doing things productive. I won't binge watch shows all day because I don't wanna think. I won't play video games all day because I don't wanna think. When God is like, no, I, need, I wanna actually walk you through how to deal with your thought life. And you don't deal with your thought life by numbing yourself. You deal with your thought life by, by spending time with me and bringing these things to me. That's why my word says, cast your anxieties onto God because he cares for you. Do not be anxious for anything, but in all things, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And then the peace that surpasses understanding, the peace of God will guard your heart and will guard your mind in Christ. These beautiful promises, but that we have to learn through actually trying them. And so in order to, to do that, we have to choose not to take the other route. Just because I feel lonely, I'm not gonna run to pornography. Just because I feel lonely, I'm not going to run to adultery. Just because I feel lonely, I'm not gonna run to promiscuity and run into ungodly relationships because I feel lonely. Just because I feel lonely, I will not post a thirst trap. Just because I feel lonely, I won't send that DM that I know I don't need to be sending. Clicking that link that I know I don't need to be clicking. This, this is a level of humility that says, I cannot meet my own need because I am not my own source and I will not go to another source besides God. And God develops that through testing and that's why James chapter one, verses two through three says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And God wants you to persevere in obedience. He doesn't want you to just survive. We can think like, okay, God's bringing me through stuff just so I can survive stuff. No, he's not just trying to drag you through things so that you'll make it. Like, look, yeah, I brought you through this wilderness and look, you didn't die. That was the test. No, it was he wants you to persevere in obedience for you to keep obeying no matter what's happening, no matter the pressure that you're feeling, no matter the hunger that you're feeling, no matter what's happening, no matter the need that you're feeling, whether it's emotional, whether it's psychological, whether it's physical, 
because the devil was attacking a lot of things with Jesus at the same time. He was vulnerable because he was physically hungry, but he also sneakily attacks his identity. It's if you are the son of God. And what person feels no need at all to prove themselves? What person feels no insecurity at all? That means even Jesus. There's a reason the enemy said it, because even Jesus was tempted, but did not sin. The last thing that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit leads us into the wilderness for is to teach you. He leads you in the wilderness to teach you. Deuteronomy 8, four through five says, your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. And it's important for us to understand that when he says discipline, this isn't discipline in the sense of punishment. They weren't in the wilderness because of punishment. And we really understand this because Jesus goes to the wilderness and Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. Jesus is perfect. And so Jesus clearly isn't being punished going into the wilderness. It says, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. This is educational. This is teaching. This is instilling something in you. And it's out of love, not out of spite. God brings us through these seasons out of love. And he says right before that, he says, your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. God is reminding them that he's been with them, that he's led them every step of the way, that he's done it all for their good. I mean, supernaturally, their feet didn't even swell walking through this place. Their clothes didn't wear out in this place. You should be able to see the hand of God all throughout your situation as you look back. Even in your darkest days, your lowest moments, your toughest seasons, you can see the hand of God. You can see how he's been with you. You can see how he's cared for you. Even when you've messed up, even when you made the wrong decisions, how he's been gracious, how he's been kind, how he's taken care of you. And you can look back and see the supernatural work that he's been doing in your life, even in the wilderness. And he's saying, I've done this out of love. Like I've taken care of you so much that your clothes didn't wear out. That didn't have to happen. Your feet didn't swell. I cared about your feet because you're my child. And as a good parent correctly and lovingly teaches their child, that is how the Lord teaches us. And he's teaching you through difficult seasons, through dry seasons. In fact, uh, in Exodus 13, when God is taking the, the Israelites out of Egypt. He's, he's leading them out. There's, a, there's kind of a fork in the road of where they can go. It says uh, in verse 17, now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. He's saying there was a path that was closer. There was a path that was quicker, but he didn't take them that way. It says, for God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt, return to their land of slavery, return to their place of bondage, return to the place that I've been trying to take them out of. They might be overwhelmed by what they see and go back into the life of sin. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. 
So maybe you haven't gone the path that you've been wanting to go down and you've been feeling like God is wronging you because there was a faster way. There was a way that seemed better, but God knew if they went down that path, what they would see would overwhelm them and they would end up right back where he just brought them out of. Maybe if God were to take you to the level that you feel like you should be at right now, when you got there and you felt the pressure of being there and what is required to be there and the cost of being there, you would actually be overwhelmed and wouldn't even be able to enjoy it because you're not developed enough for it. And you could potentially start falling back into old sin patterns, falling back into bondage and saying, you know, where I used to be was better. But God in his love is like, I'm gonna take you through this difficult season, through this season that you can't seem to get yourself out of because I love you, because I want to humble you, I want to test you, and I wanna teach you. It says the Holy Spirit leads us in the wilderness. I said, the Holy Spirit leads us in the wilderness to teach us like a father lovingly teaches his son. And the lesson is always obedience. Because obedience is what is going to earn us eternal rewards. And we can be so caught up in what's taking place here. And so I wanna encourage you tonight that man, if you are going through a difficult season, if you're following Jesus, whether you're recently saved, you've been saved for a while, and you don't know why things have been going the way that they've been going, I wanna encourage you that even in the driest place, even in the darkest place, even in the most desolate place, God will work for your good and God is working for your good right now. Because to be humble and to learn obedience can take place at any time and especially in a difficult season. And so I wanna encourage you and invite you to step out of a place of, of just grief and mourning and complaining and basking in the negative and step into a place of seeing the beauty and the majesty of God in what he wants to do for you and take you. And this is the last scripture I would leave you with. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction the pain that you're going through right now, the discipline that you're going through right now, the challenges that you're going through right now, the need that you're feeling right now, this light momentary affliction. Somebody say momentary. In comparison to eternity, everything you're experiencing is momentary. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, meaning they're changing, they're fleeting, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So I wanna invite you tonight 
No matter what you've been going through, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know the challenges that you've been facing. Nor am I saying that they're minimal. I am not trying to minimize what you've gone through or the pain that you have experienced. But I do want to invite you to open your heart and open your mind to the God who does know, to the God who loves you, to the God who himself bore your sicknesses, bore your sins, bore your weaknesses, gave himself to be crushed for your iniquities, lived a perfect life and was crucified on a Roman cross deserted and abandoned on the side of a road to die naked and bloody, suffocating to pay the price for your sins. Invite that God into your moment of affliction, into your moment of pain. Acknowledge his presence in your wilderness because he is the same God who though he died on that cross, rose up out of the grave and walked out and showed his power to resurrect, his power over death, his power over pain. And in the same way that he has the power over his own pain, over his own life, over his own death, he has power over yours. And you can trust him to walk with you through your wilderness, to walk with you as you're tempted to whisper the wisdom of God to you. Because just like the, as the devil was tempting Jesus, the Holy Spirit was right there saying, no, that's not the rest of the word. The Bible says that the word of God is the sword of this capital S spirit, the sword of the Holy Spirit. And it's with his word that he will cut down the chains of the enemy. He will cut down the attacks of the enemy. He will remove the enemy from your life. And the Bible also tells us as we resist the devil, he will flee. So if you'll stand to your feet, I want us to take a moment here, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the building, I know that if you're not in a wilderness season, you've been in one and there is a likely chance that you will walk through one at some point. Scripture also tells us that Jesus frequently went back to the wilderness to pray, went into desolate areas to pray. He constantly put himself back in that place. And I believe that God leads us into these seasons to remind us of things and to teach us things. So I don't know where you're at tonight, but I wanna encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to be your guide in the wilderness. Invite him into your heart in this moment. And the worship team is about to come out and we're gonna take some time to worship. And there's a reason that we do this. It's because this time is needed. This time is important. You, you spend a lot of time doing a lot of other things throughout your week. But this time, as you're gathered together with other believers in the presence of God, and God says, if, you are, if you're gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. There is power in this time. And so I want us all to invest this time, to take hold of this time, because tomorrow's not promised, no circumstance is promised, but his presence is promised to you. He will respond to you. And so I want us to take this opportunity to 
Invite God into our hearts. Invite God into our process. Invite the Holy Spirit to continue to be our guide and to step into a place of I will do what you say. I will not follow my own path. I will invite you to be my guide even in the darkest wilderness. And so I want to pray uh, for two things before we go into this time of worship. First, if you're here or if you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, everyone in here who does have a relationship with Jesus knows that that is the most important decision we make in our entire lives. And all of this is hinged on that, our access to God, the forgiveness of our sins, the opportunity to be transformed, the opportunity to be like him is all hinged on the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for our sins. And so I wanna invite you, if you have not made a decision, because we're always standing at a crossroad, if you have not made a decision to follow Jesus and follow his way and submit to his process and give your life to him, I wanna invite you to do that in this moment. If you want to follow Jesus and receive the forgiveness of your sins, receive new life, he promises that you will be born again, that you will be a new creation, that you will be born by the Spirit into a new person and he will send his Holy Spirit to dwell within you, to guide you, to lead you, to empower you. If that's what you're wanting, I wanna pray with you and invite you into this journey and we are all going to pray with you and for you in this moment. So if that's you, if you're saying that that is what you want, I want you to pray this prayer. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God, that you love me, that you came to earth and lived the life I could not live and died the death that I deserved to die and that you resurrected out of the grave. And because of that, you have the power to forgive me of all my sins, to wash me clean. So Lord, I, I receive your forgiveness. I receive the price that you paid with your blood. I receive you as my savior as my provider, I humble myself before you and I make you the leader, the Lord of my life. I turn away from my old life completely and I invite you to change me, change the way that I think, change the things that I desire, change the path I'm going down and I will follow you into eternity. In Jesus' name. Man. I'm so excited for everyone who just prayed that prayer. And for everyone else, anyone who maybe already has prayed that prayer, I wanna invite you in this moment to, like I said, Go after God with all of your heart. Don't waste this time. Don't see this as minimal. Seize this opportunity to worship God with everything that you have, to hear his voice and invite him into your heart. 
And one thing that we're shifting a little bit today is we actually have uh, some prayer leaders down front. If you need prayer for anything, if you're comfortable, not everybody's comfortable with that right now. We totally respect and understand that, but we knew. And some of us just need to talk to somebody tonight. Some of us just need to agree with somebody tonight. Some of us just need to pray with somebody tonight. And so we have some prayer leaders available to you. Uh, And for everyone else, let's worship. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.